Conversations inside the music, where we discuss the topics you think about when you're chilling with your fuzzy slippers and your onesie. Yeah! Welcome to Conversations Inside the Music with Carol Riddick. What's the deal? Yours truly, the magnificent DJ Jazzy Jeff. Hi, this is Jill Scott, a.k.a. Jilly de Philadelphia. Hey, this is Gerald Beasley. Conversations Inside the Music. With my dear friend, the amazing Carol Riddick. So get ready to join in on the conversation and chill with us on another edition of Conversations Inside the Music with Carol Riddick. With Carol Riddick. Well, hello and welcome to today's edition of Conversations Inside the Music with yours truly. I am your host, Carol Riddick. Today's guest grew up in Philadelphia and started playing drums at the age of five. He's on Drummer World's list of the top 500 drummers, has played with Aaliyah, Genuine, Lenuvian, Christina Aguilera, Janet Jackson, and the list goes on. And he most recently started a company to help foster, develop, and guide the careers of artists, musicians, and producers. Family, welcome to today's conversation with none other than drummer extraordinaire, Mr. Brian Fraser. Queen is in the building. Hello, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. How are you? Not complain. You hear me? I better not. You living it up. You all over the place. I'll be following you. I'm one of your fans. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't you do it. <laughs> I'm, told, I'm going there. You already know. How are you? You good? Yeah, I, you know what, Brian, I'm more grateful than anything because, you know, just like everybody else, when this whole thing started, this, you know, we, the world stopped and we were all at a standstill. It's a great time. It's a crazy time, but it's a great time too. It gives, it, like the way I see it, I feel like God is giving us the perfect opportunity to shut it all down, break it and tear it all apart and rebuild it and Absolutely. do it the way. <laughs> Do it the way it should have been done a long time ago. <laughs> uh, hello, hello, hello. I agree with that. I couldn't agree with you before. I cannot and will not dare complain about anything because I'm still here. I'm, yeah. still, you know, getting the opportunity to rectify, repair, and, you know, make a new. So, absolutely. So, I read, of course, like I just said, that you grew up in Philadelphia. Now, were you born in Philly? Born and raised, born oh. and raised in Philadelphia. It, it read that you attended Fellowship Tabernacle. That was where you played drums. And what you stated was that that was um, where you attribute learning discipline. Tell me what that was like at the age of five, how you learned discipline. Yeah, uh, it's crazy that you say that because uh, Al Ingram, uh, rest in peace, he just passed away not too long ago. He was oh. the musical director at the church. And so what Al used to do is when he was playing the organ, he used to bang his hand on the side of the organ all the time. And he would say, no matter what you do, follow this right here. Don't, don't go off of this as a kid. So as a kid, in actuality, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm playing to his timing and realizing the discipline, don't do a role here, make sure that you move with the music. And that, that was the training that I had. So I credit a lot of that even till today. Well, I want to thank him. I, I, thank you. I know we can hear yeah. him. We can feel us. Yeah. So thank you for that. 
you know, having shared some space and, and, and you know, time with you on a stage. I thank him for that. Well, uh, <laughs> listen, you know, not everybody is gifted in that way. So thank you. Thank you for paying attention, yeah. you know. Uh, I'm thankful for the opportunity. He, he taught me a lot. Sure. You know, I think about, you know, having um, come up in Philadelphia myself and the music scene and the people who were instrumental and influential to me. I'm, I'm imagining that you would you would uh, consider him one of those people that was most influential to who you are now as a professional uh, drummer, music director, producer, and the list goes on. <laughs> Are there, there might be two two more people that you would consider, that you would add to that list? Um, I would definitely say as far as a musician and drummer, um, that would be Little John. You know Little John Roberts. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Little John, uh, I was church, church, church all the time. And Little John was one of the first guys that let me hear like Chick Corea or, or uh, um, Herbie Hancock or, or Sarah Vaughn or, and it just, I was like, whoa, what? You know, so I credit him a lot putting my head up to that stuff. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. And I mean, little John is, he's, he's also one of the best that ever did it. So. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that guy, you know, you know, being from the crib, you know, me and John was always home. We planned stuff but no one ever really hears about like what I actually learned from watching him, like sessions that we've done together. He would do six songs, I would do six songs, and then I would go back in the studio to put percussion on all of the songs. So what's happening is I'm listening to John and I'm like, man, his, his drums sound so good and his articulation is so clear. Mm -hmm. And then I would listen to my songs and I'm like, ooh, like, okay. You know, so lessons like that in life, um, you know, they're they're very valuable. They make you who you are. No, there's a lot on a different, a lot of different levels. Al was more on a musical, uh, uh, respecting music, discipline. John was more on expression and and opening up as a musician and hearing music a different way. And I would have to say, Jesus, so many. But I want to pick one in a different way. I, I would say Kevin Antunes is the musical director of Backstreet. And I would say him for his musicality, but for his business, his business mind. Um, nice. So I've had people that helped me for musically and respected music, for me being a drummer and expression, and then people that have handled a business in such a way that it's just like, wow, can musicians really do that you know can we have products can we offer services can we be incorporated and hire people and have businesses and mm -hmm. so yeah those are just a few i love it i love it i love it so did you always want to be a drummer did you know i i hoped that it would be like that as a kid um uh, hmm. my mother taking me to see amy grant uh, my first concert and wow. i went to see amy grant and the stage opened and there was uh the drummer on stage in the middle of the concert. And I said, mom, that's what I want to do. You know, but as a kid, you know, I'm excited about it and, and seeing the finished product. Um, but I think later on, maybe like in my teens, or I had the ambition of thinking that I could, I could do something and I needed that, you know, uh, to just break through walls and stuff. 
but I would say maybe like 35, you know, I'm, I'm not too far from there. Uh, anyway, the, at a certain point in my life, <laughs> at a certain point in my life, I started seeing entrepreneur uh, musicians mm -hmm. and that really touched me in a, in a way. And that that's really my focus now. You know, I, okay, so I consider you my friend and I'm sitting here geeking out because we're sitting here chit-chatting and having this conversation. Like I told you, we don't talk often enough, but you and I have never right, right. and talked about work. You know, we've always been on the road and talking about what's going on in that moment. But um, one thing that I've, I've shared with so many people that I don't think I've ever shared with you, you don't know that you're one of my favorite drummers, but I commend you on just staying true to your art and being who you are. And I tell them, okay, I don't, I don't know if you remember this one time we were on the road, we were with Le Nubian and uh -huh. you know where I'm going. We were on the stage, we were in the midst of the show and I mean, we're in it. And then I find out as, as did the girls and everybody else on stage that the drum machine had stopped or had, we don't, I don't know what it had done because we didn't know anything had happened to the drum machine because you didn't let anything falter. Like we had no idea. And so what I want everybody to know that is listening is that there was so much in the music. There was so much, put so many instruments, so many sounds. There were so many percussive additives that were in the track. And we had no idea that none of that was there because I don't know how many arms you grew in that moment or what kind of tentacles <laughs> he already had respect for you as a drummer and as a human being, but my respect, like, I mean, it just shot through the roof, you know? Thank you. I, first of all, I remember that. And it's, it's thank you so much for saying that. And, and it's such a great um, thing from your side because what was happening inside, right, <laughs> was what is wrong with this drum machine? Like, <laughs> you know, trying to play and, and then just deciding um, to turn it off. You know, like these are decisions that's happening real time and, and the things I had to tell myself in my head, like before I turned it off, it was like, are you ready to turn this off? <laughs> you know, so. But uh, it's just one of those things. I'm I'm grateful to hear to hear uh, to hear you say it like that. Uh, and thank you. But jeez, that was a beast, boy. That was like, oh God. This, if ever there was a test, that was it. I think there's a story in that's even current till today. And I know that uh, people are expressing music when when you're playing with other artists and musicians, but. Uh, you know, being authentic to the music plays a huge part in it. And, and, and I think that um, I thank my authenticity at that time, because these are songs that the audience know and that, mm -hmm. that your bandmates and your team, that your vocalists and everybody knows. So there's a lesson in that it was for me, stay authentic. <laughs> well, I've always been an advocate of authenticity, but it speaks a lot to you as well as the musical director you were leading the charge. So there was even more responsibility in what you were doing, what you chose to do and how you handled it in that moment. I had the best team, I had y'all. <laughs> Another story I share, I don't know if you'll remember this one. No, what country we were in and uh, we were doing a USO tour. I remember this whole scene, go ahead, I'm ready. <laughs> I don't know where we were. 
but I do remember there was a three hour ride to the airport. And okay. from where we came, you left your drumsticks and they had to take you back to get them. And we were all like, wait, what? I don't know what, do you remember what country? I don't remember what country, but I do remember that situation. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I was like, is this the only option? <laughs> There's no more options. <laughs> Were you saying that like at the airport, you're like, this is it? This is the only option? <laughs> this is it. Nothing. I'll stop off and get two pieces of wood. Just let's just go. <laughs> I will never forget that. It was just, you know, some things that just stay with you. It was just so funny to me because who would have thought we were having so much fun? We were all that was a fun tour. Oh, wasn't it? Oh. That was a fun tour. I will always remember that tour. It was so, I had never done anything like that. I was, it was like all new and I was with my people. I was like, oh, this is great. Leave it to me to bring you to new adventures. Leave it to me. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've never drunk that much alcohol probably in my life. <laughs> like, Not going to say anything about that. Okay. You guys, when I tell you, I had no idea you guys were capable of just like everybody said neither. All of you said the same thing, like, yo, I had no idea. I could <laughs> it was so much fun. And then the music was amazing and, and they they took care of us and we it was just fun. I remember that. You know, the the the, the most exciting thing for me was um being in the the Chinook and the Black Hawk. Uh, the both of those two helicopters. That was the most exciting thing for me. I loved doing the USO tours because of that. I, I couldn't wait. I could I, now. I don't know if you remember this because this one is my own personal story. But I was so geeked about um, sitting in the cockpit. I wanted to sit in the cockpit, and I kept saying, I, "No, oh my goodness, I just want to." And the pilots they told me no, or they said, "No, no, we can't let you do that." And I said, "No, please." And they said, "Well, no, you won't." You won't be awake. And I said, what? you know, what? What? <laughs> about? what are you talking about? Brian, I don't think we got in the air good. And I was knocked out. They failed to explain <laughs> fully to me about the air pressure and how it was best that I stay in the cabin. <laughs> I saw nothing. <laughs> they laughed at me. All this talking, I think, what are you talking about? I can sit in the cockpit. I was in a coma the whole time. <laughs> Because I did not out listen. cold. Yeah, I did not listen. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but it was fun. You were way more crazy. You always been way more crazy. But <laughs> it's like I wasn't trying to sit up in the. I, no, I'm cool. She can go ahead and do it. I'm not doing that. <laughs> well, who wants to sit in the cabin? I want to sit in the cockpit. I want to see it all. Y'all see what I mean? No. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, next I would have been asking to fly the plane, right? Exactly. I mean, life is short. Yeah. I want to talk to you about working with what might be considered more prominent or successful artists, as opposed to working with um, those who are being newly developed or up and coming. What are those experiences like for you? Um. Well, for, musically, it's all the same for me because my my love for the music. When I work with an artist, I, f I find my way to fall in love with the music, you know, find out what it is about it that I love, what makes it move. So I'm in it, 
So for musically, it's all the same for me. I'm, I'm diving in. I'm giving it the same amount of attention and details and love and hard work for it. Um, sometimes when, when you're working with uh, more established artists or prominent artists, um, it's really the mentality of how you can become a team player. You know, with, with new artists, they might invite your ideas. They might say, hey, Brian, what do you think mm -hmm. you know, should go here? Or you can, uh, and not that you can't with prominent artists, but most of the time they have show directors, they have people that's meeting with them and they, they got this whole vision together. So it's really the difference of um, being able to create with certain artists and, and have that, or being able to be a team player, something that you might not normally do or might, it's, might not be your taste of a lick or a note or a chord um, and just really being able to be a team player. But musically, it's all the same for me, no matter if it's, you know, a prominent artist, a small, big, whatever, it's church choir, it doesn't matter. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. What, what would you say was, uh, I'd say the craziest experience you had or most unusual yeah. experience you've had? Well, I remember doing this USO tour with Carol Reddick and uh, <laughs> No, I'll tell you a funny one, and he's going to kill me for saying this, but uh, we, we were on a USO tour, Kevin Arthur, my guy, man, bass player, that's my dude, and uh, we was we was just relaxing, I think we had a day off, we were sitting out, looking at the water and everything, and Kevin had his arms up like this, and and every time he put his arms up, I was like, ba 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 and he was like... <laughs> Like what? And then he put his, he put his arm up again. I was like, ba 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 ba. He was like, yo, why you keep doing it? I said, cause you you got the Jackson Five under your underarms, bro. It was like all of this hair from his underarms. <laughs> He's gonna kill. He's gonna kill me for saying. But anyway. Oh my gosh. Oh, Kevin, please know that I love you. Please know. Thing, ah. please know that I love you. Anyway. That's one thing, honestly, that really sticks out about that USO. The drinking that I did, the amazing music, uh, and Kevin's underarms. Um, you made me think of something. When you what? were talking about, so I don't know if you will remember this. We went uh -oh. to another USO tour. Wow. I think we were in Guantanamo Bay. But in any event, okay. I remember. Now, now, first of all, I was afraid because they had banana rats there. I was afraid of the banana rats. And I was afraid of the the iguana because some things come up to you. The igua well, the banana rats were too. So I remember we we were we had all agreed that we weren't we were only just going to go but so far in the water. We had all agreed we were all going to go in together. We were not going to go beyond this like rock formation because that's where the water dropped. And right, right. So I'm in the water and I see everybody and you know everybody's next to me we're all out and and it was so much fun and I saw this like grouper or something like that a stingray I don't even know what it was I was like oh my god I'm pointing and then I look and I see no one I see not one of you and then I go to stand and there was no bottom because I had gone past the rock and I didn't know and I go to stand up and I, my my head is out of the water and I hear all of you come back Come back before I, of course, go down in the water. And then, of course, when I get out Carol. of an iguana came to me. See, <laughs> that's a prime example of what I'm talking about, people. This, this is your host right here, okay? 
gone way past where she was supposed to go. Okay. I do remember that though. I was like, yo, Carol is the shortest thing out here trying to go in the farthest part of the water. <laughs> At least until I almost died, but it was fun. <laughs> Y'all hear it from her. Those banana rats though, seriously, like I don't mess with them. They're not shy. Do you remember you'd, you'd come out of your room and there'd be like six of them right outside your door? I need more alcohol. Brian, you are bringing back so many <laughs> memories. Those USO tours alone were insane. Not to mention the, the other tours, which we, and the USO tours were all my tours. Why, why did all of the craziness happen? <laughs> I was saving all of this for this interview, so. So tell me, okay, I want to talk about BFM World, absolutely, but tell me what else you've been doing or getting into during the shutdown. It's crazy uh, because right before the pandemic, uh, me and my wife, we bought a new home. This was like six months before everything uh, happened. And so, you know, I always wanted a home studio. I never had a home studio ever in my life. I, I hear everybody else talking about it. I never have one. Um, and so now we had the space to do it. So she was like, let's just go ahead and do it. So we dove into it, got it built. We're building, we're getting everything together. We're recording, oh, this is great. I'm realizing a whole different lane of, of income and machinery with, with the recording side because I was always on the road all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm realizing it and then COVID happens. And of course, it was a tragic thing. It's still a tragic thing. It's a crazy thing. It's a confusing, emotional thing. But we were just very thankful that we were able to set up um, mm -hmm. a little bit before that. So I've been doing uh, t television shows, the Billboard Awards, doing the Soul Train Awards, BT Awards, all awards shows because they're pre-recorded. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been working on films now. I'm, I'm, I'm working on scoring films, like action scenes. Like, right. yeah, it's Chris. And I absolutely love it. Yo. I'm, I'm like turned out on it. But anyway, <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, I'm doing my own videos and, and uh, drum, uh, drum, virtual drum clinics like PASICs and all of those festivals are doing there. So I'm basically able to create whatever I need to do at home. And I'm a part, commercial partner with this uh, virtual reality company called Iora. And so now in VR, we're putting it together that you can put on your glasses and be in my world with me. I got my media over the place. I got my couches over there. We can have holographic uh, performances with, in virtual reality. So I'm, I'm trying to get my hands in, in that world as well, too. I love it. Well, one congratulations to you for getting married, oh. you and your wife for building and expanding. And I love it. I'm, I'm grateful that we are able to mature in this industry. I'm happy to hear all of that, all of what you're doing. What's next for you guys, you and your wife? Uh, let's see. We're, now that we're here, it's been about a year, a little over a year now that we're in the house and oh. we're, we're staying safe. She's a school teacher, so she's oh. remote teaching. The next thing for us is just really going room by room to make every room in this house exactly what we want. So we have a lot of DIY projects on the table. Absolutely. But that's fun though. That's, I mean, you know, it is. So tell me this, when you, um, how did you come up with the uh, concept and idea of BFM world? Um, that was interesting. So, um, I was on the road a lot and uh, I was never home to really give personal lessons. I'd always been kind of doing consultations, even though I didn't call them 
I didn't know what to call them, but you know, people would call and they want, want advice and you just share your experiences and you, you share the things that you saw and how people can be and the best way to protect yourself and the best way to present your product. So that kind of form from something that we all do, you do, everyone does. I uh, wanted to make it an official service. Um, and so that was that. And then the lessons came as I was on the road, I, I would try to go to each city and rent out a rehearsal space and hold lessons for people in that city. Um, and then that came and then seminars came from like going to schools and, and, and bringing sticks and buckets for the kids and talking to them about life and encouraging them and all of that stuff. So I, all of these things that I wanted to do and that I was starting to do, um, I just wanted to put them under one umbrella to try to brand myself as that one-stop shop. And uh, one guy, Dom Familero, he's a really popular drummer. He's been doing it forever. It's one of my OGs. I love him. Um, I did a clinic with him one time and this was before BFM World. And he says, uh, I did the clinic and we're all on the clinic together. I'm on there with Omar Hakeem. I like all of these big drummers. I'm like super nervous. And so um, uh, I did the clinic and, and they came up to me afterwards and they said, man, you did so good. You know, I, I had kids come up. I'm like interactive. That's just my personality. I want people just to have fun. And he says, uh, you're so good. We love what you're doing. But when you're really ready to do this, we're here for you. And I was like, huh. you just told me I did a good job, but now I don't feel like I did a good job. <laughs> you know, like what, what does that mean? And he started to show me how he has books and lessons around the world. He has, has over a million frequent flyer miles from going to schools and speaking at colleges. And he was really a big encouragement for me to start my own uh, world like that, offering services like that. Wow. Yeah. I think it's incredible. I love the website, by the way. I think it's awesome, though, where you have merchandise and you have workshops and sessions. And when I first saw it, I think it was on Instagram and I saw it, I said, oh, what is this? You know, I got <laughs> I'm excited. And then when I started clicking around, it made me happy to see because I do applaud you so much for like I said, being um, the artist that you are, being the musician that you are, and just being the human being that you are. So I think that's great. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. That means a lot coming from you. We, we go way back. Well, Brian, I think I have kept you long enough. I'm sure your wife has some projects for you. You pleased uh, that I said thank you for uh, lending you to us. And absolutely. I thank you for stopping on by and having a conversation with me. This has my, been more fun. My pleasure. Anytime. I, I applaud you for everything you're doing. I love, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm family. I'm always here. And we're going to talk about that VR too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm coming to see the new house. As as family. That wraps up another edition of Conversations Inside the Music with yours truly, Carol Riddick. Once again, thank you so much for joining the Conversations. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend and check out prior interviews on our YouTube and Facebook pages or on any media stream where you typically listen to your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and be notified when new episodes are available. Also, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Conversations Inside the Music and on Twitter at Chat and Chill.
See you next time, family, on another edition of Conversations Inside the Music with Carol Riddick. Be good to you and to those around you. And remember, to whom much is given, much is required. Conversations Inside the Music with Carol Riddick. Carol Riddick.